There's really not a lot of independent studies on GMOs because they're so expensive for independent scientists to do, which is why you know they rely so much on outside funding. And all of the studies that are done, unfortunately, are still self-regulated by these biotech corporations that are manufacturing genetically engineered food. That's Daryl Ween, along with Zoe Lister-Jones, and this is The Rich Roll Podcast. The Rich Roll Podcast. Hey, everybody. How are you guys doing? My name is Rich Roll. I am your host. Yes, indeed. This is The Rich Roll Podcast, the show where each week... I have the grand privilege of just sitting down with really cool people, people that inspire me. And we get to explore a wide variety of topics and subject matters, everything from health and fitness and diet, nutrition, our food system, which is what we're gonna talk about here today, athletic performance, how do we unlock our potential as an athlete? We talk about meditation and mindfulness and spirituality. We even talk about entrepreneurship from time to time. Basically, I canvas uh, a broad spectrum of subject matters. And the idea behind all of this is just to help all of us be better, to do a little bit better, to establish uh, perhaps a more positive forward trajectory for all of us so we can unlock and unleash our best, most authentic selves. So anyway, thank you so much for tuning in today. I really do appreciate it. I appreciate everybody who has subscribed on iTunes and especially those people who have taken a moment to leave a review on iTunes. Thank you very much for that. It does help us out a lot. But first, let's acknowledge the awesome organizations that make this show possible. We're brought to you today by On. I am a total gearhead. I love researching the latest technology for the sports I enjoy. And I've learned that people often overlook apparel, but what you wear isn't just clothes. It is without a doubt, technology. Technology that can make or break a performance. And I can tell you after spending two full days meeting with the apparel wizards at On Labs in Zurich, that On is innovating in this space like no other with next-gen premium fabrics, and just this heightened level of sophistication and precision and testing and development and intentionality previously unheard of that puts them just miles beyond the competition. I've been rocking On's high-performance running apparel, including the long tees, the weather jackets, even the climate jacket, all super lightweight, tailor-fit, built-to-move, and just gorgeous to get you out and get it done in fleet foot comfort, no matter the weather. I'm super proud to be a brand partner with this impressive team from increasing product sustainability to improved energy return and impact protection, truly Swiss innovation at its finest. To get you moving, On is offering an exclusive 10% discount. To redeem, head over to on.com slash richroll and use code richroll10 at checkout. We're brought to you today by recovery.com. I've been in recovery for a long time. It's not hyperbolic to say that I owe everything good in my life to sobriety. And it all began with treatment and experience that I had that quite literally saved my life. And in the many years since, I've in turn helped many suffering addicts and their loved ones find treatment. And 
With that, I know all too well just how confusing and how overwhelming and how challenging it can be to find the right place and the right level of care, especially because, unfortunately, not all treatment resources adhere to ethical practices. It's a real problem, a problem I'm now happy and proud to share has been solved by the people at recovery.com who created an online support portal designed to guide, to support, and empower you to find the ideal level of care tailored to your personal needs. They've partnered with the best global behavioral health providers to cover the full spectrum of behavioral health disorders, including substance use disorders, depression, anxiety, eating disorders, gambling addictions, and more. Navigating their site is simple. Search by insurance coverage, location, treatment type, you name it. Plus, you can read reviews from former patients to help you decide. Whether you're a busy exec, a parent of a struggling teen, or battling addiction yourself, I feel you. I empathize with you. I really do. And they have treatment options for you. Life in recovery is wonderful, and recovery.com is your partner in starting that journey. When you or a loved one need help, go to recovery.com and take the first step towards recovery. To find the best treatment option for you or a loved one, again, go to recovery.com. What is the meaning of life? What happens when we die? What is our purpose here? If like me, you ponder these delicious existential questions, I have got just the thing for you. It's called Soul Boom. It's a podcast hosted by everyone's favorite best friend and my friend, the deep thinking and deeply hilarious Rain Wilson where he communes with intellectuals and entertainers, theologians and philosophers in intimate exchanges that tickle the mind, heart, and yes, the soul. Subscribe to Soul Boom on YouTube or wherever you get your podcasts and explore other groundbreaking series at voicingchange.media. All right, so I have a very intellectually stimulating conversation for you guys here today. Uh, It's one that I hope will make you think, make you question, make you ponder, and hopefully stick with you well beyond the time that we spend together here today. It's with my friends, Daryl Ween and Zoe Lister-Jones. They are the filmmaking couple behind the dramatic thriller Consumed, which is a movie, how do you describe it? I guess you could say, The best way to describe it is sort of Aaron Brockovich meets traffic set in the world of agriculture and GMOs. And it's a really well done independent film. It's got a great cast, Danny Glover, Victor Garber, Taylor Kinney, and of course, Zoe uh, is the lead actress. It's socially conscious. It's, you know, impactful, earnest. Most of all, it's entertaining. It doesn't presuppose to answer questions, really just ask them. And if you're a longtime listener to the show, you know that Daryl and Zoe have been on before. That was like a year ago, maybe not quite a year ago. It was episode 191. If you didn't listen to that, definitely go back and dial it up. They're fantastic. Uh, And you'll learn a little bit more about their background in that one. Because today I decided to have them back on for two reasons. The first one is that Consumed is now available on demand. When I had them on before, you could only see the movie uh, through special prearranged screenings. Not that many people were actually able to see it in the theater, but now it's available uh, worldwide for download and streaming anywhere in the world. Uh, just go to consumedthemovie.com, consumedthemovie.com, which is the best place to watch it, stream it, etc. It's also available on 
iTunes, YouTube, Amazon, Google Play, all those kinds of places, but only uh, in certain territories. So the best way to make sure that you're able to do it and watch it is go to consumethemovie.com. The second reason I wanted to have them on is just to really pick up where we left off last time and discuss the latest in uh, in GMO, uh, the latest developments, the latest news, what's going on in the science, et cetera, out in the world, and just you know, further my education and uh, hopefully share some insights with you guys. Uh, Daryl and Zoe have become really good friends of Julie and I. We always have amazing uh, conversations and exchanges. They are very up to speed on the latest developments in the whole GMO world, but they're not scientists, nor do they play ones on film or the internet. On that note, though, I am working on getting a leading scientist uh, authority on GMO on the show very soon, so stay tuned for that. But no, Zary, uh, Zary, Daryl and Zoe, they're artists. Uh, Daryl is a writer and director. Uh, Zoe also co-wrote, consumed, and produced it along with Daryl, but she's predominantly an actress. You've probably seen her or may have seen her in the primetime CBS comedy sitcom, Life in Pieces, which just got picked up for a second season. She's also in the new HBO drama, Confirmation, which is all about the Anita Hill scandal. Uh, But like I said, they're passionate, incredibly informed on the subject of GMO. I appreciate their perspective and I applaud their mission to introduce this uh, important subject matter to mainstream audiences because we need to have this conversation. I've said this before, but 54% of all Americans polled know little to nothing about GMOs, despite the fact that 80% of all processed foods currently contain GMO. 64 countries across the globe mandate labeling, yet the USA does not. And to date, there exists no long-term studies on the impact of GMO on human health. Now look, I don't purport to have the answers to the many questions that are posed by GMOs. Uh, I will say that I am a staunch supporter of mandatory labeling laws, of corporate transparency, of informed consumer consent, and long-term independent scientific research on the subject matter. But I do have questions, and I do feel strongly about engaging the subject matter directly. So let's do just that. You guys ready to rock? Yeah, rock and rich roll. Don't you forget it. (laughs) I like how prepared you are, though. (laughs) It's so, it's so scary, I think, because there's so, it's so. Yeah, you don't want to misspeak, you know. Yeah, it's, it's funny as filmmakers to like suddenly be like the voice of a cause. (laughs) I mean, not the voice, but one, one voice of many, but it's a lot of responsibility. Yeah, it makes you a target as well. You yeah. Know, so you gotta have your ducks in a row. Yeah. Right. Got your shit together, man. Come we on. We got our shit together. <laughs> right How are you guys doing? We're good. You just got back from Big Sur, yeah. Yeah. What were you guys doing up there? We went to Esalen, which was awesome. Oh, Expanding our minds. You got all hippie at Esalen. <laughs> Kinda. Did you like take like naked hot tubs yeah. and stuff like that? We did. That's what you do. Uh, I've never been, but I've heard so much about it. I was considering going there to like get away to just write, you know. It's a pretty incredible place. It was our first time. And um, I mean, the hot springs are insane. Uh-huh. They're like on a cliff and you're just overlooking that incredible vista. And, right. um, and then it's like all amazing 
kind of organic food and this just incredible location where you can really just do whatever. I mean, it would be a great place to write. Right. And people go there and they're like in residence, right? Like they stay for really long periods of time. It's not like a, you know, it's, it's, it's more like people like that than it is people on vacation, right? It's people go for workshops. Right. So I, most people that are there are there for like a five to seven day workshop where they're taking classes Uh every day. And yeah, so we were lucky to get in because the the hot springs are open from one to three in the morning to the public and you have to wake up super early and try and reserve them to get to get in or you can try and book a massage to uh to get in and then you have an hour on either side of the massage to go in the hot springs but every week some uh, availability opens up if people don't show up to the workshops you just have to keep calling and did you were you going there to go to workshops or you just going there to get away we were going there to just uh, do a kind of personal retreat for a short amount of time <laughs> to just you. check out the space and the and uh, go in the hot springs and nice. decompress. Nice, yeah. man. Yeah, so, awesome. so beautiful up there. And that place was built like... In 50 the, years ago. Yeah, yeah, yeah. It's a story, crazy story, storied history. Yeah, I'm sure we could do a whole podcast. On <laughs> we that. could. Like, I'm we could. in the weeds on that, but I do want to catch up with you guys. I mean, so much has happened since the first time uh, we sat down and and talked. I mean, when we sat down initially, it was on the cusp of you releasing your movie consumed to the public, and you've done that. Now it's available everywhere on demand video, right? Are there? Yes, is it, is it, it is like platform so specific. Right now, it's it is has been released domestically on iTunes and Amazon mm-hmm. and most VOD platforms. So pay-per-view, depending on your network provider. And the international uh, rollout is happening over the next six months. Oh, that's um, great. To, to a year. But people who are listening overseas can get the movie through our website at consumethemovie.com. Mm-hmm. So if you don't live in the United States right now, you can uh, so if you you're can go like, there. So if you're, you're on Netflix, but you're overseas, you can't get it. You'd have to go to your website. Correct. It's not on mm-hmm. Netflix yeah. Uh, yeah. yet oh, okay. domestically either. So you can get it on iTunes and pay-per-view like Daryl oh, said, yeah. Amazon. But yeah, anyone can get it on our website domestically too. Yeah, right. you can just stream it directly through consumethemovie.com. It's uh-huh. easy. That's exciting. Yeah, guys. it's very yeah. exciting. So initially your your domestic kind of theatrical rollout was through that like startup, like crowdsourcing platform, right? Yeah, you know, gather, gather films. Gather, right. And how was that experience for you guys? It was cool. It was really cool. It was a interesting learning curve, you know, because it's such a new way to release a movie, this whole, you know, mm-hmm. on demand, who whoever requests it around the country. And if they can raise enough awareness and get enough people to sign up to it, you know, 50 or 60 people generates a screening in mm-hmm. that area. So it's been interesting. We've had 50 screenings at this point across wow. the country, which has been really exciting. How many of those were you able to attend? Not a lot of them, unfortunately, because to, to travel to each one is tough because yeah. it's out of our own pocket Did at they, this point. Were, were some of them sort of organized around like Q and A's afterwards or having like GMO related specialists on site to kind of yeah. make it more event oriented or? We did have, I mean, that was the kind of the beauty of that platform gather is that, uh, you know, non-profit or small organization in these local towns and cities could take it on and then have their own speakers do like a panel afterwards. Right. And, um, and we had a great one in Hawaii through the Shaka movement. And mm-hmm. th- so there, there's been, it's been cool yeah. to kind of connect with all of these like-minded organizations. Yeah, right. and in Illinois and Connecticut uh, through all the U.S. right to know uh, subsidiaries in each state. Oh, that's cool. 
And I want to hear about, you guys screened it on the Hill, right? We yeah. did. All right, so before we get into that, because I want to hear all about that, uh, it probably would be wise to recap, uh, you know, what the movie is about yes. <laughs> for people that are, yes. didn't hear our first podcast. Yes. Sure, yeah. Consumed is a political thriller set in the controversial world of genetically modified organisms. So it's kind of... And Daryl, what is a genetically modified <laughs> organism? A genetically modified organism is an organism that has been altered in a way that uh, does not occur in nature. Mm -hmm. So it is... It can mean a lot of things. It's pretty broad, right? Yeah. It, it, I mean, I think there's a big misconception that genetically modified organisms are the same as uh like traditionally crossbred organisms. Mm -hmm. So I think that's the thing. The, the trick is whether or not it's found in nature, which is like the really specific kind of caveat. Um, and yeah. with GMOs, it's um, taking the genetic material from one species and transferring it to another, whereas traditional crossbreeding breeding, excuse me, is, is like species. Yeah. I mean, it's right. even, it's even, uh, going further than that. It's, it's taking it from even different kingdoms. Mm -hmm. So it's not even just plants. I mean, it could be from an insect. It could be from an animal. It that could be from a virus or a bacteria. Yeah. Mm -hmm. Yeah. That is one of the kind of defenses that you hear. Like, look, this has been going on forever. There's nothing to be alarmed about. Gregor Mendel was doing this mm -hmm. with, you know, <laughs> plant species back in whenever that was when I read about it in high school. Yeah. <laughs> you know, whole, so why is everyone freaking out? But there's a qualitative difference between that and kind of the cutting edge science of what's happening now. And, yeah. and I do want to get into all of that, but let's stay sure. on the movie. Yeah. <laughs> yes, this is a movie yeah. about these issues. Yeah, yeah those are the it's, it's not a documentary. That's the, that's the trick. Yes. It's mm -hmm. like, um, it's got a great cast. It's Danny Glover, myself, Zoe Lister-Jones. Victor uh, Garber, <laughs> for all those Titanic uh, and Argo fans. And, and uh, uh, Taylor Alias. And Alias Bonds, yeah. yep. Taylor uh -huh. Kinney uh, from Chicago Fire. He's our heartthrob. And uh, Anthony Edwards, ER, Beth Grant, who's on the Mindy Project and has been in like four Oscar-nominated Best Pictures, mm, yeah. fun mm -hmm. fact. And Griffin Dunn. You know, after, after hours, hours fame, and he's doing so many cool independent films, and uh, and Kunal Nayar from Big mm -hmm. Bang Theory, which is cool to see him go from a multicam sitcom into a, a gritty drama. Uh -huh. So yeah, it's a fun cast of characters, and um, and yeah, I mean, it's kind of like for those who don't know about it yet, it's almost like the indie Aaron Brockovich set in the food world. So kind of like Aaron Brockovich meets Traffic or Michael Clayton. Mm -hmm. Yeah, suspenseful, taut drama yes. set in the world of food and, and GMOs. You guys wrote the script together, yeah, mm -hmm. and Daryl, you directed. Yes, uh -huh. correct. And we produced it our, produced ourselves, it yourselves, which is right. always a challenge. I know. What's the name of your production company? I remember getting a Mr. Lister, Mr. Lister Films. Lister. So I'm the Mr. <laughs> Zoe's the Lister. Always. Exactly. Uh -huh. Yeah, cool. we actually, our original logo, we had uh, the Gay and Lesbian Choir, um, it, the West Village Gay and Lesbian Choir uh, sang our opening logo. You know how there's always the logos before movies? Right. We did the, I don't know how many people do a live logo. <laughs> uh <-huh. laughs> but For they our sang, first film, Breaking Mr. Lister. And how did it, you swing that? <laughs> I, I just knew I wanted a choir and, yeah. uh, and they were into it and they, they thought it was funny and cool. And so that is cool. Yeah. Yeah. That can be found on YouTube. Uh, uh, I'm going to check that <laughs> it's out. It's like a 30 second send me video. The link, send me the yeah. link to that. Cool. So you make this movie, you release it domestically through Gather and you have that whole experience. We talked about that, but like, tell me about being on 
Capitol Hill and how that all went down. Yeah, it was cool. Um, Senator Blumenthal of Connecticut um, sponsored the the Hill screening because you need um, someone on the Hill to sponsor it. Uh, so Daryl and I flew out and we had um, Dave Murphy from Food Democracy Now! Mm-hmm. and Scott Faber from Environmental Working Group uh, on a panel with us afterwards to talk. And so basically every Hill staffer was invited mm-hmm. and it was thrilling. I mean, that's kind of the ultimate goal with a film like this is to really try and affect actual change and policy. And so to be speaking to the people who have the ability to potentially do that and at, at such a kind of incredible, um, turning point for labeling in this country, we were there, I think the day that a new compromise was being introduced, there's this thing called the dark act, Mm -hmm. um, which is, has been labeled deny Americans the right to know, uh, by the the kind of labeling community, but basically it, it would um, preempt states' rights to label GMOs. So mm-hmm. it's a huge fight in this country because we are the only first world country, uh, certainly, but 64 countries around the world label GMOs, and the United States or, doesn't or ban right. them or ban them. So and yeah, we still um, do not label. Well, GMOs. we have the. I mean, Vermont has a state law that goes into effect on July 1st, right? right? And they're yes. the first state to enact this, but the Dark Act is a federal law. So if that passes, it supersedes and overrides the Vermont law, correct? Exactly. But that is what they're they're trying to do right now is they're still trying to preempt this Vermont law in there's a few different bills that they're trying to revive. Uh, and it would strip away, even in the recent Pat Roberts bill, the ability for voluntary labeling and replace it with some sort of compromised federal standard, but that's just has not come to fruition, unfortunately. And this idea of QR codes has even yes. been, been uh-huh. floated, which is the newest and <laughs> latest. It's very, yeah, it's very interesting. But just to back up and lay a yeah. little bit of foundation, what we're talking about is labeling food products uh, with just basically the disclosure that this food product contains genetically engineered, you know, items or right. ingredients, what what have you. Why is that and so hard, Rich? I, I, don't, yeah, so <laughs> I just give people there what is, they want to know. And there's been this battle that's been waging for a number of years where the big food manufacturers are pushing back against this. Uh, and setting forth a variety of arguments saying, well, this will drive food prices up. It's going to confuse consumers, all these kind of like weird arguments. Mm-hmm. And, and essentially it's a right to know proposition in the sense that, uh, you know, consumers should know what's in their food. What's the big deal. If there's genetically engineered, you know, ingredients in this product, we should have a right to know that. Right. Well, we don't, you know, how do you classify what is genetically engineered and what's not, it could be anything. And, you know, people don't really understand. Well, anyway, so this has been going on for a long time and the dark act has been simmering for quite a while too. And has been overturned a number of times, but it it continues to be reintroduced. Yeah. So like like, it it was overturned and then reintroduced and then recently overturned and now is being reintroduced again. And I think the kind of manic reintroduction over and over is, is, precisely because of this July 1st deadline mm-hmm. with Vermont. Yeah, I mean, all, all the, the food and environmental safety movement side is, is, is advocating for are four simple words, produced with genetic engineering. That's it. I mean, and they have that in the European Union and so many countries uh, across, you know, around the world. And we're wondering why are they so afraid to do that? And mm-hmm. I think people listening should ask that same question. Why are they trying to 
deceive people or keep them in the dark. And and this isn't a this isn't even a discussion about whether genetically modified organisms are bad or good. It's just purely yeah, a right to know, just, just disclosure. So we yeah, have what's going choice. on in Vermont. At the same time, there are food manufacturers that are voluntarily beginning to do this. I mean, like Pepsi and right. like Frito-Lay, I think like some big, yeah, companies, big companies are- M&Ms. Well, quote unquote voluntary. Vol- right. Voluntary well, I mean, because it's they, not they, they're begrudgingly. Doing it, they're doing know, it because yeah, right. they, right. Ha- they have to comply with this law on July 1st. And some of them have been breaking ranks, like Campbell's Soup was, was one of the first to come out and say, all right, you know what? We're just gonna start labeling. Mm-hmm. And so, yeah, it's great that some came out ahead of the pack and said, we were gonna do it. Uh, and you know, a lot of them are not even announcing that they're doing it. Yeah, they're not. They're not exactly making a, a PR no, statement they're about. Not. They're just sort of quietly. Campbell's you know, actually did, but did they? but Pepsi and Frito Lay are going kind of under the radar. Right. And, and there's Mars, Mars too. Yeah, Mars, Mars right. and I think Conagra, Kellogg's. It's. it's I, I mean. It is exciting, even though they're under the gun because of Vermont. It is, I think, great that they are voluntarily labeling, but I think that the issue is that we really do need a federal mandate. Mm-hmm. Yeah, well, but, I, you know, I think it should be known, though, that they, I think, would very quickly phase out the labels if this this dark if Vermont act. goes away. Yeah, if yeah, Vermont goes away, which they all want. I mean... They're doing it because they have to do it, and they can't just do it in Vermont. They've come out and said that it, they have to do it across the country. And, you know, the, the argument on the pro-GMO side is that it would, you know, it, it's going to cost them millions of dollars, and it's going to raise food prices for people, which is not true. Right. The Environmental <laughs> Working Group and Just Label It uh-huh. did an independent study that showed that food prices will not go up if there is a label on the product, as, as they do all the time. They're constantly changing labels. And yeah, these labels are not set in stone. You know, they're constantly in yeah. the They're constantly and putting like a new Star Wars on it or, or right. the Super Artoon Bowl. Right, character or whatever, a and, new event. And they have around. to change their label. They're already doing it for the 64 countries around the world hmm. that require labeling. So I, it, Yeah, for years they've been, they have been the same manufacturers and, co- and companies that are taking, that are labeling in parts of Europe and around the world, they're doing it there. So they have the ability to do it. Why aren't they doing it here? Mm-hmm. I mean, so why would they, why would, you know, Mars and Pepsi and these companies sort of quietly do it? Is it because like, well, they have to do it in Vermont anyway, so they might as well just slap it on all of them? Or is there some other yeah. reason? Are they well, just they thinking, Sorry. no, they, go ahead. They have to do it. They, they have to do it because, I mean, it, every, They would lose an entire state of consumers. I see. Well, yeah. of course, yeah, in Vermont, but are these products showing up on shelves outside of Vermont yes. with this label yes. on Yes, they, yeah, they're already in, someone tweeted it, they, they went into the grocery store in Florida mm-hmm. and saw that on like a bag of potato chips that said produced with like genetically engineered canola oil or something. It would be, it would be way more costly for them to just label for one state right. rather than make it for the whole, you know, nationwide. I mean, there was an attempt for the Grocery Manufacturers Association to boycott the state of Vermont, but they were shut down because it's illegal. Mm -hmm. Um, There's legal precedent that says you can't kind of coordinate a boycott um, in that way. Yeah, the Sherman Sherman Act actually says that companies cannot get together and do coordinated boycotts of right. food products. Right, it's, it's a antitrust issue. Exactly. exactly. Yeah, yeah. Um, well, what's also kind of interesting on a macro level is I, I read somewhere that they had polled consumers and like 92% of 
people are in favor of this disclosure. Labeling, they want yeah. the label, yeah. and yet the New York Times, ninety-three percent. And yet, the fact that it hasn't already happened, you know, either on a federal level or or you know, on, in more states, is a testament to just how powerful you know these lobbying groups are yeah. in terms of driving you know regulatory policy on this. Because if the people want it and it's still not happening, then hey, you know, what's really going on here? It does kind of put our democracy into question. <laughs> yeah, and I mean, in all of the, so, you know, there's the ballot initiatives that have happened in Washington and in Connecticut, or, in Connecticut and in Oregon, and, um, and Vermont is the first law that would actually go into effect. But the attorney general has engaged in a lawsuit uh, with the Grocery Manufacturers Association over uh, laundering, $11 million during the campaign and the ballot initiative over labeling GMOs uh, into a front group because they can't directly contribute mm -hmm. to the campaign. So they have, you know, it's almost like the whole super PAC parallel. Right. With, it's just some shady, you know, basic <laughs> organization to hold money and distribute it to uh, influence consumer opinion. Exactly. And you just have to ask yourself again, why are they working so hard to outspend the organic food movement and environmental movement into deceiving people from knowing what is in their food. I right. mean, <laughs> well, it, it's very similar to the ag gag laws, you know, preventing yeah. any kind of transparency. The less consumers know or the less information they have access to, the less informed their decision making is. And then they can, can kind of control the, you know, process of manufacturing and distributing the food the way they see fit. And, you know, that is now spilling over. I've noticed, well, when we last talked, we talked about Ken Folta and how he was mm -hmm. sort of toppled by these Freedom of Information Act requests that, that revealed all these emails that showed that, that Ken and, and a whole number of people were getting paid by the Monsantos of the world to kind of shill for them. Yeah. And it was done like, oh, we'll give you 25 grand for your research grant. And, and you know, in academia, this is kind of how people have to function in order to pursue their career. So there is a little bit of a, well, this is the reality of how, you know, professors make a living, but at the same time, when you realize like they're being funded, you know, to essentially be pundits for this cause, uh, and, and, and this was front page news in the New York Times, et cetera. Well, now I just recently read that, that some of these organizations are getting together and pushing back against these FOIA uh, laws to say, well, you can't, you know, access our information for a variety of reasons because we're not actually federal employees or what have you. <laughs> right. So essentially it's very similar to the ag gag kind of movement. Like they want to prevent any of this kind of transparency and the less that, you know, information that we have access to, the, the less transparent they have to be and the more control they can exert. Yeah. I mean, the Kevin Fulta example Ken, I keep calling him Ken. Is it I think Kevin? It's Kevin? Yeah, uh, yeah. From the, I think he was at the University of Florida. Right. But, yeah. Um, you know, yes, I think in this current um, world, scientists are funded a lot of the times by corporations, which which you do have to kind of question how that impacts their mm. their research. But I think the bigger issue is that um, Kevin Folta always said he was an independent researcher with no financing from outside corporations. So I think that if scientists are being funded, then it's their duty uh, if they're going to speak publicly on the safety of something like GMOs mm. to say um, who they're being funded by. Yeah, and not only is it their duty, I mean, it should be mandated. Yeah, absolutely. Yeah, I was just going to say for those of the, for those 
you know, who don't know that, you know, there's really not a lot of independent studies on GMOs because they're so expensive for, for independent scientists to do, which is why, you know, they rely so much on, you know, outside funding. And, you know, all of the studies that are done, unfortunately, are still self-regulated by these biotech corporations that are manufacturing genetically engineered food. And they're doing very short-term 90-day trials and no long-term studies have still been done. So, you know, we just think that whether they're safe or not, we just think there should be more studies done. And there's mm -hmm. lots of scientific bodies that agree with that sentiment. There's the Food and Agricultural Organization of the United Nations, the American Medical Association and British Medical Association. All of those organizations still are coming out and saying we favor pre-market safety assessments and we and there isn't a scientific consensus. Right. Scientists all over the world are saying now more than ever, we especially with the genetically engineered salmon, which we can come back to later, we need to really understand how this is impacting our health and the environment. Yeah. It seems like this is a war that's taking place. It's a war of information on the internet, you know? Yeah. It's like who can control the bandwidth of information that that consumers are on the receiving end of, um, because whoever is loudest is going to win, or whoever is you know hammering the hardest is gonna is gonna win, and so in just kind of canvas like doing a little research this morning, like poking around the internet, and you see tons of articles pro and con for the average consumer. It's completely you know confusing. Like how are you supposed to make sense of this? This guy says this. This guy says that. And then you have to dive into well, who are these people that right. are who's writing this article and who's behind this and who has time to look into this? And you realize like you know there are a lot of. Kevin Folt is out there, but there's also a lot of people that are from, you know, the environmental working group. Everybody has an agenda. Sure. So it becomes very difficult to get to the truth of it. And I think, you know, Daryl, you're really getting at the heart of it. Like we just need more long-term, like well-funded, you know, objectively independently funded research to help us understand what's really going on. Because I feel like when you have the gestalt of, of, uh, of commerce and capitalism driving this movement forward, uh, nobody's stopping to say, hey, wait a minute, is this a good idea? Uh, we just have people at those organizations saying, don't worry about it, it's fine, no one's ever gotten sick. So the presumption is it's safe until proven otherwise, as opposed to it's unsafe until, until you can prove yeah. that it's safe. Exactly. Right? Well, especially, I mean, I think that obviously risks to human health are a lot more difficult to assess. Um, especially because of the lack of labeling, even though a lot of these genetically modified organisms have mm -hmm. been commercialized for 20 some odd years, um, they're, we, because they're not labeled, you can't um, trace, them back. trace them back to the increase in disease or food-related allergies in this country, which have exponentially increased since GMOs were released onto the market. But mm -hmm. right. correlation, correlation obviously, yeah. Yeah, doesn't prove causality. And so you're kind of stuck in this very gray area with making any accusations around impacts on human health. But I think impacts on, on our environment um, are becoming much easier to really argue in terms of uh, the adverse effects of GMOs mm -hmm. and just, I mean, from the basic standpoint of biodiversity and our ecosystem and uh, that GMOs are basically just um, creating monocultures all over the world, right. that what has sustained agriculture for centuries has been 
uh, the rotation of crops and the replanting of seeds, and that helps with soil health and all of these things. And there have been so many um, studies that really show that regenerative agriculture and um, sustainable organic agriculture are the really the only way to combat climate change. And factory farming obviously is hugely detrimental in terms of climate change. So um, GMOs factor largely into factory farming. Obviously, these are huge cash crops, cotton, corn, canola, yeah, soy. I mean, I mean, we have to stop. To stop greenhouse gases, we have to suck them down. And, you know, we need to suck them down 250 billion tons over the next 25 mm -hmm. years in order to help reverse climate change. And you do that through photosynthesis, through exactly what Zoe's saying, regenerative agriculture and carbon sequestration. And carbon, you know, it belongs in the ground. It's, it makes for healthy soil and it's not good to rip holes into the ozone layer mm -hmm. uh, as we continue to do. And Courtney White is someone who talks a lot about this and is really good to read. And also Naomi Klein, who, who wrote This Changes Everything, which is, you know, she touches a little bit on, on this subject, but she gets really deep into the whole climate she, change issue. Are these issue. people journalists or who are they? Well, Naomi Klein, yeah, I mean, uh -huh. is, is uh, a journalist pretty, pretty, yeah, pretty big uh, journalist. And, um, and yeah, I mean, they really dig in to the whole, you know, factory farming and, and connection there. And, uh, you know, I think that's something that is a big connection to, to, to GMOs because they take up so much farmland and, you know, we need to find a way to stop, I think, disrupting the atmosphere. You are listening to this podcast because you care about improving your health and your well-being. But this quest is incomplete if you have yet to add my friend Dr. Rangan Chatterjee's Feel Better, Live More podcast into your listening quiver. An RRP favorite and someone I'm personally quick to call when I'm in need of good advice. From nutrition to mindset, fitness, and relationships, each episode is packed with the tools you need to become the architect of your health. Subscribe to Feel Better, Live More, available wherever you get your podcasts and explore other groundbreaking series at voicingchange.media. There are certain rare people who have a powerful voice and know how to use it. My friend Amanda Decadene is one such human. The podcast is called The Conversation because it is the conversation. A groundbreaking series of raw and honest exchanges on the issues that matter most. Mental health, sex, politics, ambition, gender roles, and more. Listen to The Conversation wherever you get your podcasts and explore other groundbreaking series at voicingchange.media. There is so much health information out there. It can feel overwhelming and leave even the most well-intentioned confused about what's what and who to trust. Well, the first person that I call when I'm seeking clarity is my friend and nutrition expert, Simon Hill, host of the fantastic podcast, The Proof. Each week, Simon matches wits with brilliant scientists, translating their evidence-based insights into actionable tools for better well-being. Subscribe to The Proof, available wherever you get your podcasts, and explore other groundbreaking series at voicingchange.media.
Yeah, I think that that uh, fundamentally, like GMOs are kind of like this attempt to like hack around, you know, the sort of uh, standard ecology rules of the planet. Like, mm -hmm. how can we continue to plant the same thing forever in this soil and have it still grow properly? So fundamentally, on a very macro level, like a vote for GMOs is a vote for industrialized agriculture, like the status quo of how we've been always producing food, which is a broken, unsustainable system that is using too many resources yeah. and raping the planet. Now, right. I don't I don't purport to have the solution to this. Like we're not going to go back to becoming an agrarian society. Uh, I think, you know, my position is if we can, you know, reduce livestock, that's a huge step forward and that's a different issue from GMOs, but but also government subsidies towards well, subsidies is like you know yeah they're going to factory farmers right. instead of organic to, farmers yeah to support small and I think that as on a consumer level and I do think that we are shifting towards this paradigm more and more is supporting local farmers and going to mm -hmm. farmers markets and that we have the power of the penny so to speak that consumers can actually affect change by buying more organic or non-GMO mm -hmm. foods. And I think that ultimately is probably the most powerful way to affect change. But yeah, also the chemical, I mean, you were just, you know, just back to the factory farm thing, just for one quick second is the, the in increase in chemical herbicides. I mean, that has destroyed the environment and that GMOs, you know, everyone on that side has said that it's gonna, it, it's actually decreasing. To toxic substances into into us and into the ground and it's just not true so yeah this is the subject that i think doesn't get enough attention in the gmo debate it's not necessarily just the genetically modified organism that 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 organism in 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 many cases is bred the way that it is bred so that it can withstand being bombarded by glyphosate exactly. and other pesticides and so these are the pesticides that are found on the foods these gen genetically modified foods that end up on our plate, right? And yeah. the World Health Organization classified glyphosate as a probable carcinogen. There's yeah. been some controversy and, and debate around that just recently. recently. And, but, and, but the only reason they even call the World Health Organization said probable carcinogen is only because they haven't been able to do human trials. Mm -hmm. So it's almost as if saying it is carcinogenic. But didn't they like withdraw that? And there was something recently that happened. There's like been some debate so about the e that classification. Yeah, the, e the EPA released documents just like a week ago um, and then the following Monday immediately pulled them down because there was all this controversy. They were saying that glyphosate might be safe. They took a lot of heat for it and it wasn't necessarily true. Mm -hmm. But just to, I just wanted to just backtrack just for a second, basically just to explain like what glyphosate is and, and how it relates to genetically modified organisms. Um, a, n a number of genetically modified organisms are engineered to withstand this weed killer glyphosate it's an it's an herbicide so that farmers used to have to spray the weed killer only on the weeds and avoid the crop themselves now these um, crops have been engineered to withstand the herbicides that they can spray it all over the crops and the weeds and not have to worry about it makes their lives you know quote unquote easier but it's then now led to huge increases in the use of this toxic herbicide. Which, 527 million pounds since... Mm -hmm. uh, Between since 96 and 2011. And glyphosate is the active component in Roundup. 
Exactly, which is tied to these crops. So you can't buy the genetically modified seed without buying the chemical component that goes with it. So um, not only has it increased these things exponentially, we also do have to ask ourselves how much of, of this toxic probable carcinogen we're consuming. Mm-hmm. And Not then obviously, <laughs> um, and, and then, you know, the EWG also did a, a really interesting study that showed that, um, what was the three? 3,200 elementary schools are within 1,000 feet of genetically modified crops that are spraying glyphosate. Mm. And it's in 60 to 100% of the rainwater in the Midwest. I mean, it's just everywhere. This Right. And, and organic farms that are approximate to these farms can't keep the, uh, the genetically drift, modified yeah. seeds off of their property. So what's happening with the spray? I mean, if you think that, exactly. that, this, that spray isn't ending up in the lungs of these kids at these schools, I mean, you're insane. Uh, you know, this war, we talked about this last time, but this is the front lines of all of this is in Hawaii because mm-hmm. everything is very compressed there. It is a Petri dish, you know, grand experiment happening in real time where uh, there's, a, know, there's actually over two dozen Hawaii schools within within one mile of GE field test sites. Mm-hmm. And what is the you know, there are kids that are getting sick there. Right. Yeah. And have they are they just passing this off as as you know, they can't prove that this is because of this or or what is the status of that? I mean, the whole Hawaii issue, I mean, is a, it's almost like a microcosm for everything that's happening. I mean, the battle that's waging there is, is really devastating. So it is so, I mean, so many groups that, there that are trying to fight for it to, to, for them to stop testing on Hawaii. And Which is, I mean, it's the irony of, of using this mm-hmm. epically natural and gorgeous place to as a, as a field testing ground for this probable carcinogen. I mean, Ma- Maui citizens, they were campaigning to pass a moratorium on GE crops back in 2014. And Monsanto and Dow spent $10 million in advertising to basically misrepresenting the initiative as a farming ban. And basically trying to spread the fear that it would meet it would lead to to job loss right i mean it, the, the whole deception campaign and money that they're pouring into trying to confuse people over the issues just continues to mm-hmm. mount there was uh, a uh, there was a really interesting article in wired magazine this month that i just read about the power of bots and it was specific to political campaigns but you know, like a Twitter bot, like it used to be, you could you could tell immediately, like, well, that's just a bot, you know. But now they're becoming indistinguishable from real people. Like, they've is a bot a like better. a troll? No, of? a bot is like an, a computer-generated automatic response to a certain set of keywords. So they can be set up and programmed according to certain algorithms, I suppose, wow. to basically propagate a message across the internet. So uh, people that are running for office. They hire these companies that then, you know, they basically purchase followers, but they can also contract these bots to just basically put their message out there or put a, put a negative message out against whoever they're running right. against or whatever issue they're running on. And for the average consumer, like going through their feed or reading responses, it starts to, you know, impact your thinking. And look, we know this is like a, a play right out of Monsanto's playbook, mm-hmm. right? Like, do this all the time. Life do is follow the food babe and see how she gets responded to or other people, not just her, but other people that are trying to promote, you know, organic, et cetera. Um, And so that's yet another thing that makes it very difficult for the consumer to parse reality from fiction when it comes to, you know, determining objective truth on this issue. Yeah. And I think we've been 
on a very small scale um, victim to that too, or I think it becomes really scary the just the the kind of cyber bullying that starts happening. How do you ban? So what? So what, back to the <laughs> movie. Like this is a movie. You? We're talking about <laughs> yeah. issues that are in the movie consumed. Um, you know, on a small scale, like, I, and whether they're bots or trolls, I, I have a hard time, you know, telling, but you know, like what's the difference? Yeah. One's a hum- one one's has a, a, heart, <laughs> a heartbeat and the other one. Yeah. One has a cyber. Gen. I don't know if they have a heart. I guess they do have a heartbeat. Um, but yeah, I mean, it's, uh, we ran into a real big issue with um, IM, our IMDb rating. We noticed that overnight, our, when the movie first came the movie out... The hadn't come out yet. Yeah, the, right. The movie hadn't even come out yet, which was even more confusing because our IMDb well, rating... IMDb ahead, is the Internet Movie it? Database. It's, yeah, sort of, I, it's, yeah. sort of like, it's sort of like, uh, you know, your, if, you're a, if you're a writer, it's your Amazon reviews and ranking, but it, for a movie maker, it's IMDb. Exactly, and, and I think actually your, your, the star meter on IMDb shows up when you are renting. Renting and some various and yeah, platforms. So, so actually the way that people rate it does matter to filmmakers. And well, be- we notice in it. Before it came out, Daryl... Um, had put like a post on Facebook to his friends saying, "If you've seen the movie, you know, give us please a good vote. Rating. Please vote for it, and if you liked it, mm-hmm. and you, you know, it speaks to you, and you want to raise awareness." And obviously, you know, a lot of people see that and gets passed around. And we noticed the next morning we had 200 new votes from 200 different IP addresses that voted the movie one star out of 10 stars. Right, before so, they could even see it. Before yeah. they could even see it. So which, I mean, they, there's no way they could have seen the movie and it could have been real. And there's nothing we could do about it because if you register an IMDb account and you go and vote, then it counts. Uh, and if you, if you have your own IP address. So the rating was one out of 10 stars. Since then, the movie's come out and it's jumped up now to four stars. But <laughs> so how people, do you overcome that? It's like the, the people that do it first set the tone exactly. and the stage for everything that follows. Like, yeah. the first, for, like the first person that reviews your book on whatever it is, like right. people see that and they're like, oh, yeah. well, that person must know what they're talking about. Yeah, totally. And those comments were the first comments on IMDb right. too. They so, rise to the top. Yeah, they rise to the top. So anyone out there who wants to help vote on IMDb, <laughs> please do. But yeah, I mean, just in small ways, like... Uh, You'll just on on Twitter if I post something about the movie. Sometimes you'll just I'll just get a a nasty comment, and I I go to see. And obviously there are people who disagree who have no other agenda. It can be a subjective opinion, but a lot of the times I'll go and see who that person is, and their whole feed is Mm -hmm. like you're like you said going after people who are talking about labeling. Yeah, it's probably you know a housewife in Des Moines who's <laughs> making a little extra money by right. being paid by some company to just troll all day long and attack anybody who is you know purport, you know propagating a message that's anti to whoever she's working for. Yeah, or and, he or yeah. whoever it is. And know. it does really instill fear. I mean, for me, it it, it really does. It's it terrible. Ma- it makes me not want to yeah. go talk about it. And I think that is the battle of um, kind of making a film that has a political message because you are caught in the crosshairs of, of what it means to be an activist. Not and just how a much. political message, but a very divisive, yeah. very heated, very emotional issue for a lot of people. Yeah. yeah, it's the food we're eating. I mean, it's so emotional. And I think also, like you were talking about, the the, the purse strings attached to it in terms of corporate lobbying, like this is it. This is the food we eat. This is like such a major, major industry in this mm-hmm. country um, that the stakes are really high. Yeah. And then again, in the movie, like, you know, we obviously as filmmakers 
have come to our own conclusions. You know, we've been we've been researching and working on this for so many years. So in the movie, we we do show both sides, and we we don't really lay any claims or anything definitive. That's like uh, necessarily the end all conclusion. We raise a lot of questions to try and spark mm-hmm. a dialogue as people finish the movie so that they can have a conversation about these issues. But outside of the film, you know, we have our own beliefs, you know, and we believe that these foods should be labeled and people should have the choice to know what they're eating and that there should just be more studies done on them. Yeah, more research, more transparency. I mean, yeah. you can't really rebut that. And, you know, there is some positive things happening. I mean, in Hawaii, I believe they're giving tax credits now to, to farmers that are going organic, which is interesting. That's cool. Um, you know, and how this labeling thing is going to shake out. Like, it, it's just fascinating to watch. I mean, yeah. we didn't, fo- let's follow up on that QR code thing, because that's hilarious. The QR code, yeah. <laughs> For those so, of you, so, so a QR code are those little square barcodes that people mm-hmm. might have seen on certain products or posters that allows anyone with a smartphone device to be able to, with an application, capture that barcode and it will then link to whatever source that barcode wants you to find out information from. URL. Exactly, URL or website. And so what the, you know, biotech industry has been lobbying for heavily is, well, instead of labeling the foods with simple language that people can easily read. They said, why don't we do a barcode and stick it on the package and the barcode would then go back to a website that you would be able to learn about which ingredients were genetically engineered. This is you know, really problematic for a number of reasons. You know, First off, not everybody has a smartphone and not everybody has a data plan in in grocery stores that they go into and it's discriminatory you know it's not for for older generations who don't have this technology it's it's not something that that i think will work and it's also a privacy issue it gets into if you scan a barcode what what are you agreeing to exactly by going using that technology and that application right they're mining that data what kind of data yeah some kind of reason but any any time you put steps in between the information yeah. and the consumer and make it more difficult it's never like you're, work. yeah so it's no one's taking it's very out. contrived and yeah. i mean like i'm as tech savvy i mean i don't like code or anything like that but i'm like fairly up to speed yeah. and i don't have like a qr reader app on my <laughs> no, iPhone. Me neither. And i never like scan those things yeah and most people like, don't I, and Who's going to, while they're shopping for groceries, you know, people are Potentially busy. Potentially with like a kid on their yeah, arm. Yeah, <laughs> they've got their kids or you're, you're coming from work. You're at the end of the day. You don't want to be taking out your phone, go, going yeah. to the, the food product and trying to scan it and wait to see if that takes you to some website with like pages and pages right. of information. It's just, it's not, it's just another way to try and deceive customers. I'm not anti-QR. I mean, put it on there and for people that want to go and they can find out tons of information. Exactly. Like, that's all no, you, fine, but that should be in addition to the language. Language. Exactly, yeah. and QR codes do already exist on certain products. Yeah. We're, yeah, we're not, we're just saying that can't be the only solution. It needs right. to be in tandem with the words. Yeah. Did you see that Gwyneth Paltrow video about the QR code thing? No, I haven't <laughs> we watched there's it. A little, there's a video, yeah, I'll show it to you guys afterwards, but it's, it's basically just illustrates what you just said. It's like a woman who's shopping and she's like got kids and she's harried and hectic and she 
pulls out a can of something and she's like, does this have GMO? <sighs> she asks the guy like, hey, do you know if this has GMOs in it? And he's like, scan the QR thing. And she's like trying to do it. And she's like dropping her phone and her kid's screaming. And, and right when she's about to like get it all lined up and take the picture right of the thing and get it to work, like her, her kid drops a glass thing and it sprays all over. <laughs> oh and, my you know, God. Like, That's yeah. funny. So it's That's just funny. kind of making a pun yeah, yeah. out of like how. Exactly. And That's then great. Gwyneth Paltrow walks up to the rescue. <laughs> she gets uh, a hard time. I don't know why, but. Anyway, well, yeah, it's but a another cute way video. people can avoid you know, GMOs when they're shopping is to buy something that's certified organic or mm -hmm. that has the seal non-GMO project verified. Right. And we're seeing more and more of that. Mm -hmm. um, you know, then it, it be, it's still, you know, it's a cost and socioeconomic issue for a lot of people though. So we've got to figure yeah. out how to scale this in a way that, that makes it accessible, well, affordable, and you like know, you're saying, that. subsidies right. to the organic farmers. And, and there's and also a great um, new company called Thrive Market. I don't know if you know yes, them, but. I've had, I've known Gunnar, the CEO, yeah. like I was his lawyer, like no. back at his other startup, like back in like, 2000. That's amazing. That's I've amazing. had Gennar on the podcast recently. He was on CBS this He's morning awesome. today or yesterday. Yeah, yeah, yeah. They're blowing up. Blowing up. Huge. I mean, and which is great because yeah. it really speaks to um, the interest on the topic and also the desire and, and hunger for organics. But basically what Thrive Market does is it's, it's an online shopping service uh, that delivers organic food products, non-GMO non -GMO mm -hmm. food products um, to your door at a discounted rate of 30 to 50% um, per product. And so it really does combat or it's helping to combat a lot of the issues with um, food deserts right. and, and um, access to organics in this country. And for every person that pays, it's a, I think it's like a $50 annual membership fee, but for every person that pays uh, that fee, someone who can't afford it gets a free membership. Right. Like a military family or an underprivileged family mm -hmm. gets a yeah. membership. So it's kind of like a Costco model. Um, and yeah, they're, they're working they're, to get food yeah. stamps yeah. Uh, accepted on oh, Thrive really? Market. Oh, that's it's great. a big fight, but it would be an amazing, amazing new step. Yeah, and I, that's a big program that's happening now. I mean, the fact that people can't use food steps on food stamps online anywhere and they, they can only go towards, you know, cheap processed food is crazy. Yeah, that's just broken bureaucracy. Yeah. You know, that's crazy. So yeah, there is really cool stuff happening, you know, technology. I mean, Thrive is really, you know, it's a technology company, but really in the sense of distribution, like mm -hmm. finding more efficient ways to distribute food affordably. But then there's, there's interesting things happening in, 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 you know, in the tech, the tech of biology too, with like Memphis meats, like they're forming, you know, they're growing meat in Petri right. dishes. And so is that genetically modified is what is that? But I mean, it's very interesting, you know, it, it brings up bizarre ethic, ethics yeah. issues. And, you know, I, I think as our culture continues to wrestle with these issues, I mean, they're not going away. Right. And we do need solutions to our food problem. We do, except for, I mean, I think that there is a misconception that there's a lack of food because yes. we actually have enough food to feed the country. I mean, the, to feed the world, excuse me. It's just about distribution and access. Mm -hmm. And so it's a little bit of a red herring, I think, to look at these uh, so-called solutions for a problem that actually doesn't exist. Mm -hmm. And, and the idea to get back to GMOs that they are, um, feeding, you know, developing nations that are facing starvation is, I, I think a falsity. It, there's much more sustainable solutions to feed the third world. And again, it's not about uh, the amount of food. It's about creating regenerative agriculture and, and 
creating food security by teaching sustainable farming practices in those countries. You know, they, there's this like GM banana now that's in the news. Um, Bill, Bill Gates is behind. And, They've been mm-hmm. testing in Iowa. And it's, again, to me, a little bit of a red herring because there's already um, a red banana that has increased levels of vitamin A in Papua New Guinea. That's the argument for this this version, this new version, is that it has more vitamin, vitamin A? Or? Yeah, exactly. Um, to go to Uganda, right? And, and where, they there's, don't, they where don't. there's vitamin A deficiency, there are ways to traditionally crossbreed this red banana without the use of genetic engineering that would potentially solve the problem. It's the same thing as golden rice, which has been in research and development for 20 years and never been commercialized, but still for some reason is like the poster child for how GMOs are saving mm-hmm. the world. Um, and, right, and, they, and they were using japonica rice instead of the indica rice, which was actually the rice right. that people use in those parts of Asia. Which is the same thing with the banana, like the, the, the banana that they're, the banana, so-called banana that they eat in Uganda is actually more of a plantain. It's a cooking banana. The banana that they're doing the research on in Iowa is a Cavendish banana. It's the banana, the the bananas that we eat. So when you're talking about, you know, these countries, uh, who, who do have very habitual food habits, you can't just introduce an entirely new food. And if you're going to do that, then introduce the foods that already exist that have higher levels of vitamin A. Well, on an even kind of more fundamental level, it's very, uh, propagandistic and jingoistic to just say, well, this is how we're going to feed the, we need to, we need to feed the planet. We need to solve global hunger and starvation and GMOs are the future and the solution. Uh, because like I said earlier, that's a vote for, you know, affirming our current system. It just further entrenches factory farming. And, you know, right now, like, look, 1804, there were a billion people on the planet. And currently there's 7.3 by 2100, there's going to be 11 billion people on the planet. Like we need better solutions. Right. But our current system, which is basically animal agriculture is feeding all of these crops to this middleman, exactly. the animal, the cow, the pig, et cetera, which is very inefficient. We, we do have enough food to feed 10 billion people right now. It's just that all that feed, all that grain is going to animals and then we're eating the animals. So it's, and, it's incredibly and inefficient. It's not, and it's, it's inefficient because it's not being, the food isn't being distributed properly. Right, so it's, it's yeah. distribution and allocation. Like if we can really get off our addiction to these animals, you know, in a fundamental way and start rearranging how we distribute, you know, all the food that's coming from all the land that's, that's being right now used to grow crops for, for, for grain, for feed, for animals, mm-hmm. then we could solve the problem literally overnight. But, yeah. but that requires a systemic revolutionary change to everybody's perception and habits around how they eat. Well, also I think it's about like, what are the motivating factors, which is, I think what's so deceptive about the propaganda behind GMOs, it's like, it's, it's capitalist kind of, it's, yeah, it's such a, it's, line it, yeah, it's, it's all about profit. And if all of the money that went towards golden rice research in the last 20 years went towards building infrastructure in the developing worlds that they had roads and storage facilities for <laughs> right, food. Yeah. I mean, there, we wouldn't be facing these issues. Uh-huh. And so what are we putting our money towards? Why are we putting our money towards creating, um, you know, foods that actually we, we already have in existence. I think it's like it's, salmon because you need protectable IP. <laughs> yeah, exactly. You know? And it's about, and, and it's about controlling 
the food source because not only is this, uh, you know, this broken system of industrialized agriculture, but the thing about GMOs is that the farmers are then indebted to the corporations. They have to rebuy the seed right. every year and they have to rebuy the, rebuy the chemical that's components. That's where it gets really dark and predatory. Yeah. And, that, and, and when you talk about the third world especially, that's where it gets really dark and predatory, even more than in, in this country where already it's super problematic and, and farmers are in lawsuits with biotech companies over patent infringement. But but also, in, I mean, we didn't talk about this last time and it is a very controversial subject, but in terms of the indebtedness of farmers, you can look at India as a prime example of that where the whole GM cotton industry has eviscerated the livelihoods of farmers. And the pro-GMO side will say, well, that's not linked to us. That's because of poverty and alcoholism. And But you have to really ask, well, what is the root of the poverty? Why are these farm farmers so poor and not making money? And look at the industry that is in place there. And over 250,000 farmers have committed suicide in the last decade there. And some of them are even drinking the pesticides from these corporations in order to kill themselves, which is just horrible. I mean, it's horrible to see that that's still happening. And, and obviously that, like Daryl said, is is a hugely divisive topic, but, but I those think, farmers are indebted but, to the corporations because like Zoe was saying, they have to buy the seeds and the chemicals and they were promised higher yields and they haven't had higher. The yields, yields are not higher. They yeah, are not I mean, higher. To, to play devil's advocate on that. What's the, what's the difference between that and say, uh, you know, Costco coming into a town and putting all the mom and pops, you know, out of business when Walmart and Costco, you know what I mean? Like, is it, how much of it is just the sort of, you know, inevitable progression of consolidated capitalism versus something more nefarious. Well, I think um, when you look at like, you know, huge chains putting uh, small businesses out of out of uh, work, I guess that that comparison is could could be more for industrialized farms versus small farmers. But mm -hmm. I think when you're looking at um, the biotech corporations forcing farmers to shift their agricultural systems that have sustained them for centuries, that really gets into a much bigger complicated issue because um, when farmers are forced to buy their seeds every year and to buy the chemicals that come, uh, that, go, that go hand in hand with those seeds and they're not providing higher yields, they're, that's, that's just leading to, mm. um, you know, a, a broken system, financial system for these farmers. Well, it's indentured, it's indentured, it's indentured servitude. servitude. And yeah. I think in the third world, especially, um, the biotech companies kind of see these openings and try and get in, um, with things like the banana or the rice. And when a lot of the propaganda around why those things haven't worked is because of NGOs, which is also a total falsity. They haven't worked because the research and development hasn't worked and they haven't actually created something that, um, that works in these countries. So I think it's just important to look at really, again, like the motivating factors behind what these companies are trying to do in the mm -hmm. third world and actually what's available and could be done in, in, um, instead of, and, of what and the doing. yield I mean the Union of Concerned Scientists did a study that showed that there hasn't been the yield increase promised with genetically engineered crops mm -hmm. 
I'm super proud to announce my next venture, Voicing Change Media. This beautiful consortium of thinkers, storytellers, artists, and visionaries all committed to fostering meaningful exchanges and sharing thought-provoking content. Voicing Change Media will feature shows like The Proof, with Simon Hill, Soul Boom with Rain Wilson, Mentor Buffet with Alexi Pappas, Feel Better Live More with Dr. Rangan Chatterjee, and The Conversation with Amanda Decadene. You can explore this network and all its offerings at voicingchange.media. So, right, I mean, so it's all it's premised upon greater, greater yields and, and sort of being able to continue to use this soil. And it's that adage, you know, I think we said this last time, but it's the hubris of man thinking like, oh, I'm gonna shortcut this system, I'm gonna outsmart it, I'm gonna figure out a way to end run this and ultimately outwit nature. And that never works, right? It always comes around, nature always finds a way. So, you know, as uh, my understanding is that these you know pestilent resistant strains are now you know there are there are now you know pests that are finding their way you know through the glyphosate and surviving as superbugs and so now they have to like increase the you know the amount of the pesticide or now find a qualitatively stronger one and so this is how nature functions maybe that's a good segue to the genetically engineered mosquitoes that they're now talking yes, about. I, I saw a little bit about this. I don't know much about it, but tell me what's going on. Yeah, well, everyone I'm sure has heard of Zika virus now and, you know, dengue fever. And so they've been talking about, or I'm not even talking about, they have been genetically engineering mosquitoes to try and combat this devastating disease. And they've tested it in Brazil and they have shown that they've been able to reduce certain mosquito populations by up to upwards of 80 to 90%, but they haven't been able to show any kind of transmission decrease in terms of the disease transmission. Right, so as I, as I understand it, it's the female mosquito that carries the, mm-hmm. the virus and this genetically engineered mosquito they're only male, the genetically ones are males. Right. And so they mate and then the the offspring dies immediately. Exactly. That's what happens. Which That's is like it, so freaky. Which is so like, freaky. And then, and and I mean, it's, it's economically just not viable at all. I think um, you'd have to release, they said 2.8 million engineered mosquitoes a week to suppress 20,000 wild it's mosquitoes. Like, yeah, how crazy yeah, is no, that? I mean, they can't afford everything it. Everything is connected. You know, right. the soil is a living, breathing organism, right? The, the plants that grow out of it, everything is connected to the air. And it's to our the, ecosystem, The ecosystem yeah. of the insects and the animals. It's like, and to introduce something like this and think you're gonna have this binary impact that's gonna be favorable, I think is so myopic. It's like, oh, we, yeah. there are so, there are billions, if not an infinite number of variables at play here that we can't, even begin to conceptualize the impact of. Well, yeah, and the, I mean, when you look at the superbugs, like these bugs that um, have now become resistant to the resistance mm-hmm. <laughs> that has been put in the plants, um, and now and now we're, we're going to eventually get to a place where there's nothing that can be done. We're just going to have these kind of like monstrous bugs and weeds uh-huh. because unless you just keep upping the poisonous factors that then we're ingesting. And with the mosquitoes, it's the same thing. It's like... Um, if all of like these Donald- larvae die, then we've got a new species of mosquito that's going to be like more dangerous. Yeah, yeah. the it's, resistant it, mosquitoes. <laughs> that's it, the next movie. Here's I, I think it's kind of like Donald Trump. 
<laughs> right? So hear me out. Like yeah. in the way that that uh, the rhetoric of the of the right and the Republican Party over the last several years has basically created this creature now, right? Yeah. Yeah. In the same way, uh, this this GMO push and kind of where we're going with tech and 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 big ag is is going to produce this super bug, the Donald Trump of insects. <laughs> yeah, totally. like, you know? Great analogy. <laughs> yeah. And it's our own we're fault. We're creating our like, own monsters. Yeah. Like we, totally. you know, we did it to ourselves, totally. you know, and I just think that, you know, I don't, it's like, look, I'm not a scientist. You guys aren't scientists. Right. I don't, I don't have the answer to this, but I think I have, you know, a healthy level of humility to understand, like we're playing with something really big that we don't quite understand. And at a minimum, like, let's put the brakes on a little bit. Let's be a little bit more cautious. Let's do some studies. Let's really try to understand as best as we can what's going on before we just foist it on the world and go, whoops, you know, 20 years later when people are sick or we've, you know, indelibly changed, you know, the ecosystem of an area in a, in a very detrimental way. Like yeah. we're just, we're playing with fire, we're playing with matches. And, and I think there's just a lot of ego and, uh, and arrogance yeah. about this that I think yeah, needs we're to moving, be checked. We're moving way too quickly. And, and when you look at something like the GE salmon or the GE mosqu mosquitoes, I mean, once those are released into our, into our environment, the impact is irreversible. We'll never know yeah. if a GE salmon mates with a wild salmon. We will never again know. Well, if so we're people, eating a GE so salmon. people know. So when when we were last on the podcast, that hadn't yet happened. So mm -hmm. since since then, the first genetically engineered animal has been approved for human consumption: the genetically engineered salmon by Aqua uh, Advantage, Aqua Bounty, and. Uh, they have been working on producing the eggs for the salmon in, in on Prince Edward Island in Canada and also in Panama. And just so people know, the facility in Canada is 50 feet from a river that contains wild endangered salmon. So if there, if there was ever a facility breach or some sort of flood or any anything and the that, and the the eggs are only 98% sterile so there is mm -hmm. this like 2% risk like Daryl saying if there were a breach yeah that if that one be. of those salmon eggs were to get into the river somehow or a salmon were to get out and mate with a wild salmon we would never again know the difference between wild and genetically engineered and who knows what the consequences would even be so that's only one of the risks they're also saying that they're not going to label the salmon and consumers union did a, a poll that asked people if they would want them to be labeled and 89% of people said they would want their mm -hmm. locks on their bagel to, they no. would want to know if they were genetically engineered. I think something like 50% or something said that they would just stop eating salmon. Yeah, no, <laughs> and there's been a huge backlash since, since that news came out. Costco and thousands of uh, grocery store chains have said that they would not, they will not carry the genetically engineered salmon. Yeah, there's a big difference between like soybeans and salmon. Like yeah. once you start talking about animals, animals. like the creepy factor just <laughs> starts yeah. like goes through yeah. the roof. The giant, yeah. the giant salmon that grows twice as big, twice as fast and, it's you know. easy, I think I think it's easier for people to wrap their heads around is why why the, the salmon has, has 
I think created so much more controversy than, mm. than soybeans or canola because I don't think people understand quite how pervasive GMOs are in our food supply and how many derivatives are in the processed food that they're eating that contain GMOs. Whereas salmon, it's like, oh, okay, that I understand. If right. that's a genetically med- modified salmon, I eat that and I'm eating something that but isn't the, occurring in the, nature. The, there's so many other issues like the just the nutrition rate of the genetically engineered salmon is way lower, 10% lower than the nutrition in terms rate. Of the omegas. Yeah, so omega-3s and the omega-6. Argument? They get more meat, it grows faster? What it's it, it's how does it all grows? year, yeah, the hormone is turned on all year long. So they, they can produce way more salmon and takes less time and, the, and, it, and there's more meat. It's Yeah, it's a larger salmon that is bred in half the time. I see. But, but what they also have kind of ignored is the increase in antibiotic use that's going to have to happen? Uh, there's a there's a higher infection risk once you start genetically engineered salmon, and you know they were Zoe. You know more about the insect larvae thing. What, what's that? With the mosquitoes? Oh no! Yeah, yeah. sorry. No, that's back with the mosquito thing. <laughs> See, there's so many issues right it's almost hard to keep track of but but with the gmo salmon they still have to like pump them with antibiotics or are they how does that well it, i mean it's it's just a risk it's like when you look at like factory farming and how and how right, sick cows how using, and and chickens get then you they require more antibiotics no, no actually it was the insect larvae aqua aqua bounty was going to engineer insect larvae to feed to the salmon mm-hmm. and so it's it's a right complete gmo supply chain you know exactly. like from well, pillar to post. and you know what salmon are eating now genetically engineered corn and soy yeah so yeah, their yeah. salmon that should be eating farm raised salmon that should be eating other fish are eating <laughs> more the genetically engineered salmon are going to be eating genetically engineered corn well, it and soy it gets back to the pervasive thing that you were talking about and this has now become the subject of lawsuits like chipotle right. was like you know we're getting rid of gmos we're gmo free but the animal products, the pork and the beef and whatever that they were serving there was fed on GMO grain. So it's not which really they GMO. admitted. Yeah, which they admitted, but it's like it makes you understand like others oh, it's not it's not a it isn't a binary dualistic thing. No. You know? it, it, at this stage, I mean, what's so scary about our food supply in this country in particular is like over ninety percent, I think, of corn and soy and canola in this country is genetically modified. Mm. So and 80% of 80% processed, percent of food, processed contains food contains those. genetically modified ingredients. I mean, we're it, it's irreversible, you know, and and when you talk about drift and how organic farms are are finding themselves with genetically modified um, crops, it's it's like it's kind of we're we're already at the point of no return. <laughs> yeah, I disagree. I, mean, I think that we do can you think we can try re- and I mean, slowly reverse so it. much money and energy and political clout and 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 momentum behind all of this. Like I don't see it moving in the other direction. Guys, we have to have hope. <laughs> you guys, you can't give up hope if you're giving up hope. Hope, then there I'm won't not be giving any up hope. hope. I'm just, I'm just sort of noticing like what's going on. I you know, know, it's sort of like, it's, like the way that that technology propagates. Like we're inevitably headed towards this virtual reality world, and ultimately, you know, AI. And I don't see any way that we're gonna not that that's not gonna happen. Right. No, they're you gonna know? always exist side by side. But the food and environmental movement has really sh- proven how potent their they are as as a as a body uh, mm-hmm. in terms of how it's impacted the biotech industry. I mean, the biotech industry uh, lost like I think it was four billion dollars um, in the last few years 
over people saying that they they're they're basically fed up with all of the not knowing about the GMO labels and they're not buying it as much mm-hmm. and so it is there is some movement that is helping and and it was just reported in the New York Times that last year 2015 was the first year that profits for genetically engineered crops decreased. Right, I did I did see that and and acreage decreased I right. think yeah. as well. I mean there are other I think there are other factors at play with that yeah. but um but that is interesting. Yeah, so I mean I there, do think that there is a a, a movement helping. some momentum in this country towards um I think health and wellness. I mean your podcast is a testament to that that people are really hungry for this information and it no just, uh, yeah. So. And it, t- it just takes, you know, voices like yours, um, and, and filmmakers and journalists to just continue pushing the conversation forward. Yeah. I mean, it's, it's, it, it really is a grassroots thing. You know, it has to happen at the grassroots level and it has to happen at the highest level. Like yeah. you guys, we didn't even finish the story about you, you know, screening the movie, <laughs> Um, on the hill, you know, so you have to have both ends, like both poles of yeah. that spectrum functioning at the same time. And, you know, I think the, the, the higher ups will respond when the grassroots movement becomes loud enough and strong enough and powerful enough. And demands and, it. Yeah. And one of the things that I always say at the risk of sounding repetitive, but <clears throat> you know, it's so easy to feel disenfranchised, like your vote doesn't count and you don't have a, a voice or a say, and you know, what could you possibly do? You're, you're just one person. How could you, you know, provoke change? But, but it is really powerful uh, how you spend your money mm-hmm. and, and the dollars that you choose to allocate towards the foods that you're eating are a political statement. 100%. You know? And I think that consumerism and capitalism will shift to align with those choices. So the more people who are really you know, investing their money in, in foods that, that, that reflect how they feel about the environment and the planet and their you know, yeah. ethical perspectives, et cetera, uh, that you know the system will will respond in kind, and so, it might yeah. maybe a little bit more money upfront to pay for organic food. But think about the benefits of it costing you in the long run mm-hmm. when you're eating processed food and all the doctor's bills and visits. So I know it's so tough to motivate people with that with that mm-hmm. argument, though. You know, and and and, and we are living in. But you know, why? Because this is the we're the sickest because country we're in, in we're, the world. We're, we're we want instant gratification. That's way yeah. down the line. You know what I mean? Like it's hard to psychologically motivate people that way. But it does get at what you were just saying, which is we're living. There's two countries right now. There's people that are super into wellness, and they're you know whether they're eating grass fed paleo or vegan or what you know they're all about like reducing their carbon footprint. And they're very conscientious. I find young people to be very you know. Um, vociferous about this and then you have a lot of people who are just checked out you know like they're just whatever they're getting through the day they're just trying to pay the bills and they're you know eating at 7-eleven and mcdonald's and they just don't have time for it they're not educated they don't understand and they're not motivated to do anything differently i think there is that sense and i'm I'm sorry that i lent my voice to this to the sense of like defeated um um, voices in this in this country, but I do think that there is this like, well, we're all going to die anyway. Might as well enjoy my my potato chips right. and my or burger mine? or whatever. You know, where's yeah, mine? Like I work the, hard. Like, yeah, I my my this. life is hard enough. I don't need to make my life harder by by having to limit my food choices. But I do think that I don't think that that the sickness that um, is associated with eating processed foods. Um, is that far down the line? I mean, we're we're in it right now. We're mm-hmm. in the thick of it. I mean, I, I forget the 
I think one in three children are going to have type two diabetes, like by 2050 yeah, or something. Yeah, I mean, we're 50% of Americans by 2030 will be diabetic or pre-diabetic. Yeah. Right. The so, cancer rates are through the roof. Mm-hmm. I mean, it's an, it's an epidemic that we need to face now. And the only way to do that is I think to shift the way we see, um, the food we eat. It, it's not about looking at at it as limiting. It's actually about looking at it as opening up your your choices and in, in your lifestyle. Good. It feels good to eat healthy food. I mean, I, I am the perfect testament of that. I grew up eating crap food, processed food. We talked about this on the last podcast. And in the last few years, I've completely shifted and I eat so much more plant, so many more plants, a lot. <laughs> thank you, Rich, for uh-huh. really pushing that. Um, but more plants, more organic, more healthy things. And looking at the vegan and interesting, healthy, sweet options too, they taste good. I mean, it, right. eating a date, a really good date from the farmer's market that is tastes so good for those sweet tooths out there compared to like a real artificial, you know, sweetened candy. I, I notice the difference and I feel better after I eat it. I don't feel like I'm laying sideways on the couch and have a stomach ache the mm-hmm. next day. So I think people will, the, m- the more you try and get over that hump and start to really invest in eating healthier food, I think you'll feel better and you'll be more productive and, and clear minded. Yeah. Well, you're preaching to the, you're preaching <laughs> to my choir. <laughs> Are you preaching to the gay and lesbian choir that sang your logo? Song? We're always or, preaching to the gay and lesbian <laughs> yeah. choir. And that's, you know, why we made this movie at the end of the day, just to bring it back around. Mm-hmm. You know, we we want to entertain people and we want we want to, you know, we're filmmakers. We want people to sit down and enjoy the movie and go on a ride and, you know, be in suspense and connect to these characters and every character in the film, from Zoe's character as a Midwestern mother who's taking for, for, for taking care of a kid, to Danny Glover playing an organic farmer, to the scientist, they're all representative of their symbols of the of the people that are in our society. Yeah, they're all archetypes. It is very similar to traffic in that yeah. regard, where you have all these sort of archetypes that are ultimately on a crash course with each other through yeah. sort of you know destiny exactly yeah, and the representative in the food industrial complex yeah. they're representative of of the real stories that are out there in the world and we really tried to capture that authentically while at the same time trying to get people to think a little bit more deeply about how gmos are impacting all of us and the environment mm-hmm. if people want to get uh involved in gmos or want to learn more like what do you think are the best resources or the best sort of receiverships for that energy. Well, you said one of the great organizations earlier, the Environmental Working Group. Yeah, so fantastic. definitely check out their website. Definitely check out the Organic Consumers Association website. And then, you know, there's other more active... Food Democracy Now. Mm-hmm. Yeah, there's... The Center for Food Safety. I mean, there's a number of, of websites that that can really give you a plethora of information where you don't need to constantly, like you said, be battling like, oh, who do I trust and, and who's what what is the agenda driving this this piece? Yeah, those are pretty trusted sources. Um, so I would definitely look look there and, you know, really just try and be aware going forward of what you're eating and trying to choose organic when you can and trying to spark a conversation about it, you know, like don't be afraid to talk about it with friends and post about it on Facebook and 
and social media. I think people get so afraid, you know, and almost, you know, want to, when you go to a restaurant, it's like this fear mentality mm -hmm. of I got to order how everyone's ordering. It's like when you, when you go to a party, if you don't drink, you feel like you need to have a beer in the hand, in your hand because everyone else has one and you don't have to do that. You, you can be, I think, confident in your own skin and know what makes you feel good and try and help promote what is healthy for people. Yeah, and, and fundamentally behind all of that is personal responsibility for your own choices. And uh, you know, it's not about anybody telling you what you should or you shouldn't do. Just do your own in investigation. You know, go on the internet, read up, go to the websites. I'll put links to all of those you know, uh, resources in the show notes. And of course, you know, watch your movie and take that uh, you know, spark of inspiration that you'll receive from watching it to you know, go to the next level and make your decisions for yourself. But I think you'll find, as you guys obviously have, and as, as I have, is there's a lot of fuckery out there, you know? <laughs> and there's a lot of people vying for your, uh, not only your attention, but your sort of consent. Right? And your and, money. <laughs> and, and, and there's a lot of tactics being used to confuse, you know, it's, it's right out of the tobacco playbook yeah, exactly. in, in the way that they're trying to confuse consumers, which makes it more difficult and, and all the more important for you to take the, you know, the debate seriously to, you know, mine for the truth. Yeah, it's so much bigger than whether or not you want to eat a bag of potato chips. I mean, it's really about our world. Mm -hmm. and, and the future of our environment. Yeah, yeah. that's the, the craziest thing about GMOs is people quickly assume that it's just this little fringe issue. And when you really unpack it, as we have now twice, you see how it is impacting every single aspect of our world. It's it's us. It's the farm. Yeah, and the it's more the, the more it's it the finds bug. its way. Yeah, it's a completely you know the it completely controlled supply chain from beginning mm -hmm. to end, right? And all of that ends up in our bodies and becomes who we are. Like it's mm -hmm. it's fundamentally like the most pervasive thing yeah. there is. It's the yeah. food we eat, so, and it's impacting our microbiome, which <laughs> I know is a whole other discussion. But you know the whole glyphosate thing. I mean that gets into. Well, there was, a, what was it, the video of the, who was it, like some higher up at Monsanto and the journalist challenged him to drink a glass of glyphosate. Oh yeah, and he, and he, and he, he wouldn't saying do how, it. how safe it yeah. was. Yeah, go ahead, just drink this glass of glyphosate. <laughs> yeah, and, uh, and then he's like, I'm not drinking that. Right. And that went viral. Yeah, I mean, I would encourage people to, uh, to look at what the International Agency for Research on Cancer published on glyphosate. And, uh, and I think you'll def that'll definitely open your eyes to, to the truth. All right, good, you guys. Awesome. Yes, please check out the movie. Yes, consume <laughs> the movie on iTunes. And no, let's buy it through our website. Buy, okay. That helps the film the most, actually. Consumethemovie.com. Consumethemovie.com is the best way you can help support the film. And can you stream it there or you download it? You can it? stream it there. You can download it. Yeah, you, you can buy it right there. And please, you know, tell friends and Facebook about it. But you can yeah, also cool. watch it on iTunes you or pay-per-view if you, that's easier you, for you. You can, but try and watch it through the website if you can. <laughs> and Zoe, your show Life in Pieces just got picked up for a second season. It did literally the second you walked in the that's, door. <laughs> oh, really? Oh, that had just happened? Yeah, it was like 20 minutes before. How does that work? In. Like who calls you? Your agent? Or? Um, my, my agents uh, emailed me but it was my castmates that texted me. That was the first thing I saw. Oh, that's <laughs> yeah. so great. That's I think really when we exciting. sat down first, like it had just, the show had just started, yeah, yeah. but it hadn't really been like, it was the very 
it was just before like there was a big media blitz and i remember after we did the podcast like suddenly your face was like ubiquitous like you were on every <laughs> bus like everywhere i went i was like I, zoe is everywhere yeah, like the yeah. show is like it's been so cool How it's cool been for awesome you. and yeah. i mean we we just all really love each other and have such a great time doing it so it's um it's a real blessing we were dancing to Beyonce right before you walked in. Oh, you were? We did. We did did a Beyonce (laughs) celebration (laughs) dance. That would have been a good Snapchat singer. Are you on hiatus right now or is the show being filmed now? I am. I'm on hiatus now. We go back in August. Right. That's so cool. Yeah. Cool. And uh, Daryl, what are you working on right now? I wrote this pilot for Amazon, which is Mm. exciting. So we're waiting to see if that gets picked up. Can you talk about it or no? Uh, can I talk about it? I, I don't know if I can. I don't know if I can, if I'm hesitating. Yeah, but a TV but show pilot. A TV show pilot, which uh, is cool. I can, I can say that it does deal with ageism. Hmm. That is the kind of central thrust of the show. Right, and so you're waiting to hear whether they green light shooting the pilot. Exactly. Or, do a, or do, do, does Amazon sometimes they'll just pick up the whole thing, yeah, right? the could, whole it, season? Yeah, they could do that too, yeah. So, you know, fingers crossed that yeah. that happens. And uh, and then we're working on, uh, uh, yeah, a couple other oh. couple, a couple other balls in the air. We're trying to... <laughs> Hollywood's so secret. We're trying to be super secret. <laughs> no one's listening. It's okay. Just watch Consumed and watch Life in Pieces and, yeah, and you'll be right. set. And Wait, eat organic food. Did you say what, what, day the, what day is... What, it's, uh, what night um, is it on? You know, last year it was on um, Thursdays, but I don't know if we're going to have a shift in our schedule, so uh-huh. stay tuned. Yeah, cool. Yeah. Awesome, you guys. Yeah. You guys are so cool. Oh, you're you're cool. so cool. <laughs> yeah, thanks for uh, doing this again. Thanks for having me. Rock and roll. Movie. That's right, man. Rock and, and roll. Uh, come back and talk about GMOs anytime. Thanks, Rich. Thank and uh, oh, just final thing. On the, uh, on the internets, what's the easiest, best way to connect with you guys beyond consumethemovie.com? At consumemovie on Twitter and Instagram, and then at Daryl Ween, W-E-I-N, and at Zoe Lister-Jones on the same platforms. All right, you guys. Rock on. Rock on. Peace. Peace. (laughs) Plants. All right. I hope you guys enjoyed that. They're delightful, right? And uh, I learned a ton. So anyway, I feel elevated as a result of that conversation. I hope you do too. Please make a point of checking out the show notes for this week's episode. I have a bazillion links and resources related to everything that we talked about today, uh, all kinds of news sources, et cetera, to take your edification, your infotainment beyond the earbuds. I wanna thank everybody who helped put on the show today, Jason Camiolo for audio engineering and production, Sean Patterson for help on graphics, Chris Swan for production assistance, including helping compile the show notes, which is a huge job. Thank you, Chris. And as always, the theme music for this show by Analemma. It's been the theme music since day one when those guys recorded it in like a half an hour in the warehouse. <laughs> I thought that would be the music for you know one or two episodes until they sat down and really wrote something, but it just stuck and uh, there you go. So anyway, thanks for all the support, you guys. Final thought, whatever, however you come down on this whole GMO conversation, all I'm saying is just educate yourself, ask questions. Don't be satisfied with just what your friends say or what you see on the nightly news or read in a short article. Take yourself, take your health, take this inquiry seriously and explore, take responsibility for your own answers. You know, as always, I'm not here to tell anyone what to do or how to be, but I think it's super important to make sure that 
the decisions that you do make for yourself and for your kids for the next generation are informed and well-considered. What we choose to put on our plate is a political act. It does say something about you. It says something about who you are and what you stand for. And I heard this great thing the other day. Uh, I'm not sure who to attribute it to. I can't quite remember. Perhaps it's Michael Pollan. Uh, but we all know that adage, you are what you eat, right? You are what you eat. But this person, again, I think it's Michael Pollan said, actually, it's the opposite. You eat what you are. So who are you? See you guys next week. Peace. Plants. Yeah.